Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Busts, losers, terrible players that we don't want on our fantasy teams. Eh, something like that. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, everybody. It is Wednesday. It is March 13th. Le'Veon Bell's on the Jets and Odell Beckham's on the Browns. And we can't stop talking about that, but we will take a break for that for about an hour here and talk about some fantasy baseball. I am Adam Azer. He is Chris Towers. What's up, Chris? I'm, I would personally like to thank Le'Veon Bell for waiting until 1230, uh, to make his decision announced because, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed staying up until two o'clock working last night. Oh, it was great. I didn't know about it until about 830, Chris, cause, you know, I, well, that, that's I was, because I'm in baseball mode. Some of us have jobs, Adam. Some yeah, mine's a baseball to, job. Uh, you know, I knew it was coming. I had to, I, I told my wife, I, I can't go to sleep right now. I gotta, I gotta stay up. Le'Veon. You're a young man. You could stay up late. Heath. Uh, middle-aged. He's Good middle-aged. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic, fantastic couple of days and I, I'm in baseball mode too, Adam. Good. I got tired of all this football news. Yeah, so Scott's not on the show today. If you want to read about Scott's busts, you can go to cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. He's got a big old column about it. You can get that stuff from Heath as well. I'm going to ask Chris and Heath for their busts. I'm going to tell you who I'm avoiding. A couple of high-end starting pitchers that I'm just really not into. Remember to join our podcast league by uh, sending us something creative. Uh, to CBS, to, uh, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com and put podcast league in the subject line. Chris, I'm going to let you start off with, I don't know, even Ooh. know how to, like, favorite sleeper, favorite breakout. Do I say favorite bust? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't, favorite bust <laughs> seems weird, because personally, I can't speak for Heath. I would like every player to live up there to their no. potential every no, I, single season. No, no, no. Um, what fun true. is that? Because that would be really fun. No. no. That would be way more fun. How easy no. would fantasy baseball be? Come on. It would still be pretty tough. All right, give me give me your biggest bust. I'm gonna go with Walker Bueller, and it's not because I don't think he's talented, because I think he's exceptionally talented. Um, but we're taking him as the 14th overall pitcher right now. I think it might be 13th actually after the Severino tri- uh, injury. And for a guy who one has thrown, I think his max is 170 ish innings for his career, and like he has to be. Not just very good to justify this price. He has to, because there's, he's only going to throw probably at most a hundred innings in the regular season. And that's like a hard cap. And you look at some other guys around him, like Steven Strasburg could throw 205 innings. It's unlikely, but he could. So Walker Bueller doesn't just have to be good. He has to be sub three ERA, sub 1.1 whip, 10 strikeouts per nine good because you're putting a cap on the number of innings that he can make just from the start. And then we know that this is a Dodgers team that if he sprains his ankle and he could pitch in his next start, they're going to take him and put him on the IL. So there's more risk than I think his price is baking in. And I, I just don't think we're we're properly acknowledging that he could also just take a step back. We've seen with Noah Syndergaard, we've seen with Steven Strasburg, these you know guys who look like can't-miss pitchers, They'll occasionally have a 3-4 ERA. You know, it's not out of the question, too. 
Well, thanks for stealing one of the guys I was going to talk about. Anytime, also... Adam. I don't have my computer. It just crashed. <laughs> oh. so I had no idea who you this were This is two to days in a row. Like, Get your technology in order, Chris. I just got the blue screen of death, oh, so I good. might need a new computer entirely. Yeah, I, I'm I not, might be uh, flying blind here. I'm not drafting Walker Bueller because, you know, you don't have to. You can take other aces right in the same range, you know. I think we all would rather have Trevor Bauer. Um, you could take Carlos Carrasco. I, I guess if you don't take Walker Bueller, are you then talking about missing out on a tier and having to go down to Strasburg, Paxton, Corbin, that group? I, I think he's in there, too. Yeah, I think he's in that, too. Okay, well, but the, the drafters don't, you know? So, you know, the, the fantasy well, But you're not missing draft- out on it. That's, the, that's like one of the key tenets of fantasy baseball is being more correct about the tiers than the drafters. Right, so don't no, don't take it where it's going. But I'm just concerned about the innings jump because I was concerned about it with Severino last year. And he obviously was Cy Young candidate for the first half. Now of the might, not, might not ever pitch again. But then he fell apart. And Bueller, I mean, he went from five innings to ninety-seven innings to one hundred and seventy-six innings in three years. So right, he has Tommy John surgery. And like it is, it's a weird thing we do where if a pitcher is injury prone in the minors, it doesn't seem to ding them as much as it does in the majors. Like. If we looked at the last three years, I'm almost certain Noah Syndergaard and Steven Strasburg have probably thrown a hundred more innings than Walker Bueller. But because they've missed time in the majors, we're more likely to account for that as a negative for them. But well, injuries in the minors, they count just as much. Right, They're yeah, just minor yeah. concerns. Okay. So Walker Bueller is someone that, uh, look, could be great, but has a lot of warning signs and where you're taking him, you can, you can take better pitchers there. Uh, Heath. Who's a bust for you? Well, I think with all the recent developments in New York sports, it would only be fair <laughs> if I chose a New York Yankee. I mean, the Knicks are terrible. The Giants are terrible. Maybe the Yankees will be terrible, too. No. Actually, I'm just going to choose a Yankee that was already on my original bust list. It's Miguel Andujar. More like Miguel Andotar. He is the 10th <laughs> third baseman off the board on draft ahead of Travis Shaw, ahead of Will Myers, ahead of Justin Turner. I don't want him ahead of any of those guys. He's terrible defensively. The Yankees have like nine infielders once Didi Gregorius comes back. And he's really, to me, just more, looks more like an accumulator, like a Jonathan Scope maybe with a better average. I think he's fine as a late-round corner infielder, maybe a low-end number one first baseman. I don't expect him to hit for as much power. I do think there could be some playing time concerns once everyone's healthy. I'm not going to draft him certainly at his ADP of 79th overall, just eight picks after Matt Carpenter. Yeah, I think I think both Andujar and Glaber Torres are going too early. At least Torres has both second base and shortstop eligibility, but Torres is like a fifth-round pick. Um, so I think uh, those Yankees getting a little bit too much love. Thank you for bringing that up, Heath. I appreciate it. I really thought Miguel and Dontar would get me a Heath is on play. Oh, uh, that, that was really good. I'm not going to play it because you requested it, and that just seems wrong. Right. But I will cue it up for uh, for next time. Miguel and Dontar is the best team name that you've ever come up with. And uh, for me, the two players that I, uh, I just, you know, I guess I'll call Walker Bueller a bus candidate. The other one makes me a little nervous because he proves us wrong every year. But, you know, I just think that this could be the year where Zach Granke starts to uh, show some cracks. And, look, I know the strikeout rate is is up and down. He's not a huge strikeout pitcher. He's a huge innings guy. I'm just not feeling it with him. And, again, I, I think that when you have these starting pitchers who are going early enough and you can kind of be picky, like I'll just – I'll 
I'll just avoid him. I'll take James Paxton over him. Uh, I'll take Strasburg over Granky. I but, don't. But you agree Paxton's a much bigger bust risk than Granky. In terms of innings, yes. Uh, in terms of performance, I mean, I guess his track record would say so, but I just think he's a better pitcher. I, I just feel like Granky could become Felix Hernandez or like it, you sure. know, Roy Halladay. Just all of a sudden, it, be, it was terrible the, the, for him. The thing about a guy like Granky is. In the long run, you'll never go wrong betting against older players being bust. Eventually, he will be a bust (laughs) unless he's the pitching version of David Ortiz and he just retires before anything goes wrong. But there's a reason why older players make good bust candidates. There's a reason why guys with limited track records make bust, make for good bust candidates. It's because on both, you're, you're talking about the different ends of the spectrum, but the end result is basically the same, and it's that history tells us that those players are less likely to reproduce what they've done in the past uh, in the most recent year than they will be moving forward. And so, right. I just I think a pitcher that's 35 years old that's done what Grinky's done over the last five years is much safer than a pitcher that's 30 years old that's never topped 170 innings. So, sure. so the, no, the, I, I don't I don't disagree. The question I, is, I think Paxton has definite bust potential. Wait a second. He's never topped 100 in what innings? I said 70. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I, I thought, he I thought was 160 that. last year. I know he had one year where his minor leagues and majors combined. Yeah, it was like 177 or yeah. something. Um, yeah, 160 and a third last respect. year. No, but, well, Granky, look, the home run rate went up last year. He gave up 28 home runs. Strikeouts went down. He was bad uh, on the road. He had a 390 ERA on the road and gave up 19 home runs there. So maybe he was helped by his ballpark. I don't know. Uh, and then I think the wins and losses are going to hurt him because he went from 17 and seven two years ago to 15 11 last year. And Arizona went from a 93 win team to an 82 win team. And personally, I think they're terrible. So I don't know. I don't see Granke as a 15 game winner this year. Uh, all right. So we yeah, I think he's probably piece. in that 11 12 range, which is. The career high for Paxton. And that's not going to make him a top 15 pitcher, in my opinion, Zach Granke, because he was 11th in points, 14th in Roto, with 15 wins last year. And if he goes down to 11 or 12, I think you're looking at more of a top 20 pitcher at at best. And Which I know is what I'm his ADP is, right? 17th, but that's at best. But that's Actually, that's me. I'm just avoiding him. That's all I'm saying. You know what's kind of interesting about Granke? He didn't have a single catcher last year catch him who wasn't Jeff Mathis. Also true. I don't, like, I, I generally don't believe in, like, catcher ERA being a thing, but when you, when you talk about Zach Greinke, he's a guy who steals a lot of strikes, and Jeff Mathis is a great defensive catcher. And Grinky's a weird dude. Like, if it was going to bother, not, not in a bad way, he's a really no, smart no, guy, yeah. but he's a weird dude. No, I, I, it's going to bother someone. I don't know. I do. But it's, I know. I did the research, Chris. How about that? Okay. Uh, his which, last which research. Granky without Jeff Mathis in 2017. His last seven starts. Um, he had a 331 ERA, eight walks, 37 strikeouts, and he actually was great. But his last two starts in eight innings, he gave up 10 runs. So I, I determined that based on those seven starts, there really was nothing there to not having Mathis. Um, yeah. so I think we look, I, I think it's the kind of thing that could, that could impact it on the margins, but. He might be the guy who the margins matter more than most pitchers because he's he doesn't have great stuff. He gets a lot of called strikes, uh, doesn't really get a lot of swinging strikes, but still gets strikeouts because he's so good at nibbling at the corners. If he loses 5 10% of those maybe, I think things could start to go south real quick. 
Time for our email of the day. It is a podcast league entry. It is from Greg, quote, Eli is still on the team. Martin, I'm a New York Giants fan. Please allow me into the league. Adam, you can relate. Find a place in your heart as well as a place in the league. Heath, is that enough to get in? No. I think uh, all New York fans should continue to suffer for as long as possible. Well, that's that's why there's baseball season, Heath. Wonderful, wonderful baseball season. All right, news yeah, and notes. I think the Yankees' three-man rotation will, will work out really well. They'll be fine. News and notes. Pedro Strope is out at least a week with a hamstring strain. So let's talk about – oh, a position battles. We're going to talk about position battles today as well, by the way. And not just busts, but also, guys, we've been drafting a lot. We do have the bust-o-meter coming up at the end of the show. We have your emails. We have a fun show today. Um, but Pedro Strope is going to presumably fill in for Brandon Morrow. And, uh, not, look, this could be nothing. But what should fantasy owners know right now is Strope has a hamstring strain. Probably ought to keep an eye on it because like he, I don't think ha- they've basically said they're not going to have a set closer. And this was the same thing they said when Morrow got hurt last year and then they did pretty much have a set yeah. closer. But I think that, um, Brad Brock would probably be next in line. Oh, I would guess it would be Steve Ciszek. Uh, it could I was be Steve say, It could be Carl Edwards. I was going to say Steve Edwards. has been really good the last couple of years. Uh, got four saves for them last year. Uh, he was definitely an option last year. Yeah, Edwards, Ciszek, and and uh, and Brock would all seem to be options. But I I know Scott. I don't know if he's changed his mind because this was like months ago and we talked about it. But he sort of felt like Brandon Morrow is not going to get that job back. What do you guys think? I pitchers are so volatile from year to year that when you're not talking about one of the four or five best ones, anybody could lose their job. If Pedro Strope has a bad week, right when Brandon Morrow comes back, it could be Brandon Morrow's job. Pedro Strope could just not be healthy. But are they going uh, to get? Are they going to treat Brandon Morrow, who had a 147 ERA, a 108 WHIP last year, 22 saves and 24 chances? Are they going to treat him like he's the closer and it's his job waiting for him? Or do you think Pedro Strope is going to just take it and keep it? I think it depends on things we don't know yet. If Pedro Strope is just awesome the first month of the season when Morrow's out and Morrow comes back and they aren't overly impressed when they see him start throwing bullpens, then I think it could be kind of like a Mark Melanson type situation. That's good. But I I don't believe it. Like Scott kind of seems to think it's more of a foregone conclusion. That's the way it's going to go. I think it's a little more up in the air than that. I think Strope is a fine... $1 $1 player, I guess, if we want to talk about it that way, in the 250 range, and Morrow is a good guy to take in the reserve rounds. Danny Duffy unlikely to be ready for opening day. Does anybody have any interest in Danny Duffy anymore? No. I had just a little bit before he got hurt. I'm not even sure he got drafted in the AL-only draft that we did yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Aaron Hicks, 117th off the board, end of the 10th round. He received a cortisone injection. For his back. And again, I'll remind you, he's been on the DL every year of his career. Are we concerned? Yeah, he doesn't seem too concerned, but this back injury is lingering a little bit for Aaron Hicks. Or are we willing to move him down? Um, I mean, he, he might be a bust candidate. Just For sure. If we're, you know, we put the, the injury-prone tag on a lot of guys, and, you know, he's being drafted in the same range as A.J. Pollock. I I don't see AJ Pollock as more of an injury risk than Aaron Hicks. Um, I think that price is okay because I do think there's upside in both Roto and head to head because he's a power speed guy, but 
Yeah, I, I, the fact that he's not healthy right now, given his injury history, that should be concerning. It's Aaron Hicks. Tim Tebow was sent to the minors. Come on, Tim Tebow. Make the majors. We can only do Tim Tebow updates when Scott's on. <laughs> Why? What's because he's he has the spirited argument for Tim Tebow. He does? Oh, I, yeah, you know what? You, Don't spoil it. This has happened multiple times in the podcast when you've definitely been here. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Uh, Seattle relief pitcher Hunter Strickland could make the trip to Japan. He has a sore lower back. Is he their closer, Hunter Strickland? I think he's their closer, but if I was had already drafted Hunter Strickland, I would like for him to not make that trip. I don't think flights to Japan are the best thing for sore backs. Okay. And uh, Malik Smith will not make the trip to Japan. He has an elbow injury. We're hoping he's ready for like real opening day on the 28th. And Houston starting pitcher Francis Martez suspended 80 games for PED use. And it's so he's recovering from Tommy John. So shouldn't you really have to serve that suspension, you know, next year? They're going to be. Concurrent. I thought you were going to say, shouldn't he be allowed to use something that helps him recover from Tommy John? I would assume that it would not be like concurrent Advil? with the DL stint. And I believe he's on the DL. No, it, it, it is. I think he was concurrent. I think he's on the minor leagues. I thought so, he was on the major league roster when he I, got hurt. I don't know. I don't either. Yeah, okay. Great. Either way, good great. for him. Good stuff. Uh, I got to tell Get you about... that recovery, Francis. I got to tell you about Sportsline, because it's tournament time, and they have got great bracket help for you on Sportsline. They have the optimal bracket, which finished in the top 5% of CBS Sports brackets last year and had Villanova winning it all. They have the upset bracket, which called 12 of 18 first-round upsets by double-digit seeds the past three years. Uh, very, very good stuff. So go to sportsline.com. Uh, there's also, uh, some of the fantasy stuff we've been talking about, like the aces metric and, uh, the who do I keep tool, which is really cool. On sportsline, the promo code is Vegas. One dollar for your first month. Nine ninety nine after that. Promo code Vegas on sportsline. So yes, today's theme, guys, is busts. We want to talk about players that we're not really feeling, but we've also done a lot of drafts lately. And uh, AL only yesterday, NL only today. We'll talk about those on tomorrow's show. But just in general, have you have you started to figure out and realize who you keep drafting, who you end up drafting a lot, and and values that you think are really good? Um, take it away, fellas. Who have you been drafting a lot? I'm going to give an answer just based on the guys because one thing I do, and I think you've made fun of this, is I've got a spreadsheet of the guys that are actually on my teams were actually playing out. I make fun it's of that. Really frustrating. When we do 47 mock drafts, and then it ter- comes to find out that I don't actually have Eloy Jimenez on any of the teams that we're playing out, and I don't get to benefit from that. So the guys I have on the teams that we're actually playing on Twitter, Michael Brantley, Steven Souza, Juan Soto, Blake Snell, John Gray, and that's it. Okay, talk to me about Steven Souza and, and why he's on a lot of your teams. He's basically free. And before the Adam Jones acquisition, there was no question. I still don't really think there's any question about his playing time. I think Nick Ahmed or Wilmer Flores or Gerard Dyson, those guys are likely to lose time to Adam Jones. I don't think Adam Jones is probably better than Steven Souza right now. But he's shown us in the past when he's healthy. He's kind of like a, a, a little lesser version of Domingo Santana. Hits the ball very hard, has good power. And has double-digit stolen base potential. And you can get him as late as you want him. And he you should. Kind of, he should. He should be a late-round pick. I mean, 
He's a deeper league. Like you got to have at least five. You got to roster five outfielders if you're well. If you have Steven his Seuss. twenty, yes, I agree. But his twenty seventeen seasons, thirty homers and sixteen steals. He only had two thirty nine. But if he does that, that's probably a top one hundred hitter. But he's ne- he's never come close to that. I mean, that's what he did in twenty seventeen. But that's the only time he's done that. He's been, he's got a lousy career. Well, 2015, he played 110 games and hit 16 homers and stole 12 bases. He slugged 399. I, okay, true. you're right. You're right. If you're, it, he's gonna have bad batting average most likely, but there's power speed there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm honestly not disagreeing with it. it. Just it's it's a late pick. And he's That's a, cool. And he's a cleanup hitter most likely. So yeah, a lot of those names are kind of high end. Juan Soto, you said. Do you not concern yourself with the dreaded sophomore slump? I don't really ever even think about the dreaded sophomore slump. I think you think about it enough for both of us, <laughs> and I like you keeping it in the back of my head, but I don't ever really consider it. I think he's a future star. There were too many ground balls last year, but it was more ground balls than he had in the minor leagues, and he's young enough and talented enough that I don't think he's just going to stay a high ground ball guy. Okay, Chris, how about you? Who are some guys you're taking a lot? Well, I don't have a spreadsheet like Heath because I'm not a nerd. <laughs> a dork. Um, it's so ironic you saying that. <laughs> generally speaking, uh, Charlie Blackman ends up on a ton of my teams. I think he's a great value when you get, to, especially if you're picking early in the first round, you get to him. I think that's a steal. Uh, Trevor Bauer, I'm shocked that I've talked myself into Trevor Bauer as probably my favorite of the ace pitchers to draft because I think he's, he's going a little under where I think he should be. And I'm not a hundred percent sure why. Um, he became a significantly different pitcher last season. He was on pace for 210 innings before a, did he get hit by a, a, a comeback or did he just have a, a, a stress fracture? Either way, it's not exactly the kind of injury that we should be concerned about. Uh, Chris Davis with a K. I've ended up with him a lot. I am not worried about having to deal with the lack of flexibility because he's so good that it doesn't really matter. And then usually, I try to get one of JT Realmoto or Gary Sanchez. Yeah. That's the catcher's so bad. Man, it's so bad. Yeah. And we did an AL only draft yesterday where you have to draft where you have to roster two catchers. It's so gross. Like that's just why would anybody it's, play in a league like that? It's offensive. It's such so, ridiculous. Uh like uh so Okay, let's say I'm trying oh, to... I get mad at Scott every time he schedules it. It's ridiculous. Like, just make it one catcher. Nobody... There, we, there's not one person in the world that plays in an AL-only two-catcher league. And if you do... Oh, there are definitely people who do. Yeah, I do. We have one we play out. And there, there are 12 of us. They don't exist. You're not in it. There are dozens of us, Adam. <laughs> so, when do you take Real Muto and Sanchez? Uh, usually fourth round. I think that's that's generally, and it's usually like if Real Muto falls a little bit, I'll take him. If Real Muto doesn't fall, I try to take Gary Sanchez with my next picks after Real Real Muto goes. Um, I just think they're the two catchers who can give you a legitimate edge at the position. There are other good catchers, four of them maybe, (laughs) Uh, but I think the chances of a Yasmani Grandal, a Wilson Ramos really being, like, let's say giving you first base production, which I think Raul Muto and, and Sanchez can. I think it's a lot lower chance of anyone else actually doing that for you. 
All right, the guys that I find myself drafting a lot, Jose Abreu, I keep finding myself uh, taking him because I think he sort of represents a point at first base where you've missed out. Obviously, you didn't take Freeman or Goldschmidt at that point, but you don't want to necessarily take Matt Olson. You don't want to have to rely on, say, the sleepers that we talked about earlier this week or the breakouts, whatever it was, Jake Bowers and Pete Alonzo as your starter. I mean, they'd be fine on your team. Uh, but you get to the point where, hey, I don't want to have to take Gallo, Encarnacion, Muncy as my as my starter. So Jose Abreu is there, and uh, I end up taking him. He's going 71st overall on average. D. Gordon is sort of a centerpiece of my Roto teams. I believe in him probably more than anybody else. So, you know, believe in D. Gordon. At you your took him early yesterday. AL only, right? Yeah. I think I took, what, a fourth round? Round 40th overall. I thought overall. it was the third, but it may have been the fourth. I had the last, I, I had the third. second to last pick of the third round, so that would have been pick 29. So I, yeah, I took him either 29th or 32nd overall. Um, but again, that's AL only. Uh, you Darvish. I, I think he's just gonna bounce back. I'm basically willing to throw out last year. I don't know that he's like an amazing pitcher anymore, but I think if you Darvish is right, he's certainly a top five round pick, a top 60 player. And you can get him, you know, around 10, round, a, around round 10 or so. Steven Piscotti in a deeper league, if I need a, like a third outfielder or a fourth outfielder on waiting, perfectly fine taking Steven Piscotti. He seems to be going later than, than I thought he would. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, as we all know. Trevor May. I like Trevor May, guys. Do you think Trevor May is going to end up as the Twins closer? I'm just afraid Trevor may be a middle reliever. If he is a middle reliever, he might still give you good enough ratios to keep him in your lineup. But I think he's so clearly the best pitcher in that bullpen. And they actually are going to be competing this year. Like they're gonna, they're gonna be in good games, close games. They're gonna have a lot of saves. This looks like a 500 or better ball club. Um, they can't mess around with, with Blake Parker in the back end there. So Trevor May and, yeah, go ahead. Why are we treating Blake Parker like he had this abysmal 2017? I th- his ERA was like a tenth of a run higher than Trevor Mays, I think. Oh, I thought he was bad last year, Blake Parker. Am I wrong? He had a 3.26 ERA. He had more than a strikeout per inning. He did have a 1.236 WHIP, which is high but not terrible. But I I hadn't really even looked at him uh, up until a couple of days ago, and because we just kind of dismissed him. I still have him ranked one spot ahead of Trevor May. And he was pretty good last year. He had a, he Trevor wasn't, May he wasn't was 2017 amazing. good. Trevor May, 185 ERA, sub one whip in 23 relief appearances, five walks, 36 strikeouts, and 24 and a third. He's just, if he does that, then he's elite. Sure. Not but, saying he's going to do it again, but if he does. Well, it's, yeah, it's 25 innings. Like that's, that's the thing is that it's, yeah, okay. We just, let, let Blake Parker do that how, for 25 innings. He can't. Uh, he kind of did. I'm 100% certain he has done that for a 25-inning streak. He was great in 2017. So maybe take them both with your last two picks or something like that. And it does sound like there's a chance um, Twins manager Rocco Baldelli, I always like remembering that the Twins manager is Rocco Baldelli, right. is going to go with a committee at closer. There is a chance of that, he, yes. There may not be a closer. I don't buy it. There'll be a closer. I know Rocco Baldelli. <laughs> Believe me. There'll be a closer. Former, former Ray. He's never done anything like that before. You know, <laughs> you know my favorite last pick of the draft is Greg Bird. It's got to be Greg Bird. Because if he wins yeah. that job, it's going to make a lot of sense. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come I mean, back. He's probably going to be terrible again like he always No, he is. won't be. No. Everything you just said there was completely wrong. But we will get to hear more about Heath's bus, Chris busts right after this. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Heath, give me some more busts for 2019. This one might make people hate me, and it kind of makes me hate myself, but I was going through this exercise because my busts are going to be on the site this week, and I was looking at the consensus rankings, and Yasiel Puig has a consensus ranking of number 63 overall. I'm very excited about what Puig could be in Cincinnati, but number 63 overall is basically Yasiel Puig's career year so far. I would like to take him in the eighth, ninth round and say, I think he could have a career year. I do not want to take him at the start of the sixth round into the fifth round and just pay for his career year. So I'll go with Yasiel Puig at his current ranking. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Now that doesn't uh, jive with ADP. I don't believe, I think he's closer to the eighties or nineties. Is that, when would you take Yasiel Puig? I would like to take him in the eighth round. So around pick 100, I don't believe I'm going to have any chance to get him there. Well, let me see. Wait, I just looking at his over the last 30 days on NFBC, he is the 20th outfielder off the board at pick 67. I think I do. I think I want to make fun of you, but I'm not sure. The eighth round ends at pick 96, Heath. So I think you. I said a round pick 100. Right, but that's round nine. That's round nine. You know. Okay, so I would like to take him in round nine. There you go. Uh, Chris. Regardless, I'm not taking him at 63 or 67. More busts from Chris. I apparently don't like the Brewers because I have Josh Hader and Jesus Aguilar. I'll talk about Josh Hader first. Um, we're kind of, he's still going around 100, 110th overall, and 
that's expecting him to be the guy he was the first two months, I think, when he had a 109 ERA through 33 innings, was kind of giving you like decent starting pitcher strikeout numbers. Um, they didn't use him like that the whole season. They pretty much stopped using him like that after the first two months of the season, and that's probably because it's really tough to keep going out there multiple times a week throwing two innings. And so over his last 36 games from June 2nd to the end of the season, he threw 48 and a third innings, uh, 77 strikeouts, which is awesome. But the, the ERA was 335 and, you know, the, the whip wasn't elite. And I just think if we're drafting a guy that we don't think is going to get saves in that range, we are expecting him to be a 1-5, ERA guy with 130 strikeouts. He may be that, but most of last season he wasn't. So I, I just, I, I don't like that value for a guy that should be very good, but may not stand out as much as, as we think. Okay. That's Josh Hader. How about Jesus Aguilar? I just, we're drafting him. I think his ADP is like 76th overall or something. It, that is way too rich for a, a half season guy, basically, because after the all star break last season, he was okay, but he wasn't a top 100 hitter. Uh, that's putting a lot of stock into the one good, ha- really good half season where we've seen guys like Justin Smoke, we've seen guys like Yonder Alonso have a similar one good season, one good half season, and then kind of turn back to being a fine hitter, but I, I don't think Jesus Aguilar is going to be a standout at first base. I am shocked that he's still going in the in the 78 overall range. And yeah, and that's why I like to take Jose Abreu, because the next first baseman off the board is Jesus Aguilar. Uh, actually, it's Daniel Murphy, who also would be a nice pick in that range, but Murphy will not start the season with first base eligibility. Uh, okay, so a couple brewers for Chris. Heath has given us Yasiel Puig. He, uh, Chris gave us Hader and Aguilar. Uh, Heath, you're up again. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cole Hamels. And I think it's really interesting to look at his last two years compared to the last two years for Jake Arrieta and John Lester. And they are very, very similar, with the main difference being that Hamels was good for his last two months. And it coincided with a trade to a new team. And so we've just decided that he's a good again after two bad years. But But he's had a FIP of 4.62 and 4.49 over the last two years. And I know we're going to say, well, that's because he got away from Texas. He was terrible for the Rangers. In 2016, he had a 3-3-2 ERA for the Rangers. He could pitch for the Rangers in 2016. He can't anymore. I don't know why that happened, but I think he's just not as that good as he That was two years ago. <laughs> What's that? That was two years ago. That was three so he was seasons better ago. Yeah, he was better then. But I, but also that year, like he, he had a 1-3-1 whip. Um, and then the strike, look, I, I don't know what to make of it, but it's pretty, the home road splits are pretty clear. Like he was terrible in Texas in 2018. He went to the Cubs and, and he was great. And I guess the but he was li- awful in 2017. Uh, yes, he was really bad. And that, that was strange. And he was a little lucky in 2016. So I guess the question is like, is he really a bust at 141st overall? Cole Hamels. I think he is considering he's 35 years old. He's pitched and according to his peripherals the last two years like a pitcher you wouldn't take until the reserve rounds and we're treating jake arietta and john lester like those peripherals are real and dropping them out of the top 200 but because hamels had a good last two months 
we're not we're going to draft him at one in the twelfth round. Okay, fair enough. I but also I think you know a lot more strikeouts last year than Arietta and Lester, right? Uh, he, yes, and a lot less the year before. That's the weird. That's the strangest thing. Like six point four strikeouts in two thousand seventeen. That is depends how much you make of that because that is a huge outlier in his career. Uh, okay, uh, sorry. I guess I'm I'm sticking up for Scott. I know Scott likes Cole Hamels. Heath, how about another bust? Uh, yeah, one more bust. I will go with Josh Donaldson. Um, I I think that his consensus ranking now is like 85 overall, so the end of the seventh round, start of the eighth round. And listen, I do think that there is upside and bounce back potential. I wish he was on an American League team so he didn't have to play in the field every time that he played. I'm afraid the Braves are going to be a little cautious with him, and I'm a little bit afraid by how his contact percentage has decreased over the last two years. His line drive percentage has almost disappeared over the last two years. He did have a really good stretch of power production when he came back from injury in 2017. I'm not willing to bet a late seventh, early eighth round pick that that was the real Josh Donaldson and that he stays healthy all year this year at his age with his injury the last two years. So you could just take Travis Shaw in that range? I would much rather have Travis Shaw. Would you rather have Rafael Devers or Josh Donaldson? I think I still have Donaldson ranked higher right now. Devers is still, there's still been some stuff coming out of um, Boston Spring Training about how Devers is still kind of struggling with his approach. I'm excited about Devers, and I think he has upside, but everyone else is excited about Devers. Yeah, it is true. Uh, I just want to throw a name out while we're on the subject of Josh Donaldson. Some I just have not taken him in one league, and maybe that's foolish because every year he hits like 35 home runs and drives in 100. But Edwin Encarnacion, I, I feel like it's sort of yeah. a similar story with Donaldson. Is like we are seeing things get worse, and the production's still there, so there's something enticing. And he goes pretty late. Edwin Encarnacion's going in the 10th round, 113th overall, but I cannot bring myself to take him. How do you feel about Encarnacion? I'm completely with you. Um, I don't hate the value there because I think there there is a chance he returns uh, a positive value on that pick, but he's in a bad park. He's a likely trade candidate. It's possible he gets traded to, you know, either a bad park or even it's a long shot, but he could get traded to the National League, and then you have to deal with changing leagues, which is always difficult. There's just a lot of uncertainty around Edwin and Carnacion. And uh, I I don't know if I want, I don't know if the upside's worth it there when you can take guys who probably have, you know, a similar floor. Yeah. I, I don't, I think I've only drafted him once. I drafted him yesterday in a league. I was helping somebody with in an AL only. He's the 13th first baseman off the board over the last month at pick one thirty. The, the first basemen that are going right after him, Ian Desmond, Miguel Cabrera, Eric Hosmer, Luke Voigt, Yuli Gurriel, I, I'm not any more excited about those guys. So I don't hate the value, but I have I, I don't disagree with any of the concerns you guys have. Well, uh, honestly, 130 to me is a big difference to, from 113, and I would probably take Encarnacion at 130. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, that's two more rounds. I, I think that's fair to say. Uh yeah, because you're right. Because after that, I think it's a good point about all these busts. And, and I don't, there's a place where they could become a value. I guess the, the oh, other yeah. part of that is like, what if you didn't ha- if you didn't have a first baseman 
and you took Encarnacion at, at 130 ahead of Cabrera, Voigt, all these other guys that you said. You know, that's not bad. But if you already did have a first baseman, does Edwin Encarnacion make sense as your utility or as your DH at 130th overall? And quite frankly, I think he does. Even if you already yeah. have a first baseman, I think it's a fine pick there. I mean, you should be trying to get production. And, you know, position matters to a certain extent. You want to be able to to make sure that you're not stuck with a bad player because you don't have any flexibility. But you are looking for home runs, RBI, and, you know, especially in a roto league. But even in head-to-head, you're just looking for raw production. And at some point, where it comes from is less important than what you're getting. And sure. so I'm, I'm fine with him as a DH if I can get him at the right price. Chris, give me another bust or two. We'll finish with this. Uh, we're going to have to put position battles off until tomorrow. I did want to mention, though, that in case you're drafting today, I was reading Cleveland.com yesterday for football news, and I stumbled upon their early prediction of the uh, 25-man roster. And they actually have, just a guess, they actually have Greg Allen on the bench with Hanley Ramirez as a starter. Um, so just for all of you Roto people banking on Greg Allen as your starter, uh, to get some steals, just keep that in mind. But we'll talk about position battles tomorrow. Let's finish off, uh, the bus, actually going to break out the busto meter at the end of the show. But Chris, give me, uh, one or two more names. Love, love the, love the busto meter, love the breakout o meter. Of course. They're very finely calibrated tools. <laughs> um, Jacob deGrom. He is the number 12 overall pick in ADP right now. Uh, he is the number three starting pitcher right now. I don't think there's basically any chance of him being bad, but you look at the last three years, 304 ERA, 353 ERA, 1.70. Which one are we drafting him as a result of at third overall? Clearly it's the 170, and most of the peripherals back it up. 199 FIP, uh, Sierra and XFIP, not quite as bullish, but still... 278, 260. So they believe he will be a very, they, they believe he was a very good pitcher. It's also, he was very lucky last season. He is unlikely to keep all of the gains he made. He jumped from a 28.9% striker rate to a 32.2, cut his walk rate by like 25%. He's going to be good, but you will usually, like I said, with, with old players, you will usually not go wrong betting against a guy coming off a career season to regress. And in this instance, a year ago, we were drafting him as, what, the 12th, 15th starting pitcher probably? Right. I think it's a lot more likely he ends up there than he ends up third. You're not going to lose a ton of value, but there were reasons why we weren't drafting him as a top five starting pitcher before last season. Well, yeah, I think it's because... DeGrom had a 3.53 ERA in 2017, and yeah, he's not going to be that bad because his five seasons he ERA might. now 269, 2.54, 3.04, 3.53, 1.70. So the last two seasons are outliers. I I think he's a two something. I think he's a high two ERA guy, and it's really the strikeout rate 11.2 last year, 10.7 the year before. So he he was someone that and I forget. Okay, so he was someone that in 2017, strikeout rate went way up, but the home runs went way up. And I know there was a pitcher that fits that profile this year that I wanted to talk about as he could be this. Oh, it's Paxton. That's exactly who it was. So, you, you know, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I, I, I think DeGrom, I haven't taken him, Chris. You're right. Um, 
I think like I could just wait around and take Trevor Bauer. I, I'm totally with you there. Right, Trevor Bauer was not exactly as good as him, but he wasn't far off last season. Right. I I think Degrom is is going to be great, and I think you do too. But I think we're saying, hey, take a second hitter, take a hitter in round two, and wait till round three, and take somebody like Trevor Bauer, maybe Blake Snell, something like that. Um, but yes, that combination for Degrom in 2017. K rate went way up to a career high, 10.7, but he just got it, gave up a lot of home runs and the ERA was too high. I think that's what happened to Paxton last year. So I'm hoping that Paxton can break out and have a DeGrom-like season. Won't be as good. Um, that's a tangent. I'm not trolling. I know that's, that's hard to believe, but Heath has been doing most of the trolling on today's podcast. Uh huh. I do worry James Paxton could be a bust. I, it's a bad park fit. Um, Totally fair. I, I love the talent, but I just I, I think things could go south for him. That that's my concern. That I can't really argue against that. I mean I think he's I think he's got look, if for all those of you who've been listening to this podcast for years, the first time I saw James Paxton pitch, it must have been like five years ago or whatever, I said, I am in love with James I said, I fell in love last night what and it was with James Paxton. So I've always loved James Paxton. It has yeah. nothing to do with his team now. I think he's a great pitcher that just needs to put it together for a full season, and I think this could be the year. I don't know why we're talking about him. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. He's a bust. Okay, yeah, because I said he was Okay, be a good. Bust. Thank you for tying it all in. So, um, Yasiel Puig, too early at 63rd overall. Cole Hamels, Heath is concerned about. Josh Donaldson in the 70s or 80s, that's too early. Uh, we've talked about Eggman and Cardacion. We like him closer to 130 rather than 110. Jesus Aguilar. He's going too early. Josh Hader, around 100th overall. That's too early. Jacob DeGrom, early second round, late first round. And possibly James Paxton. Okay, good stuff. Thank you, guys. Those are some good busts. Luck. Let's do the uh, – there are more on the website, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Let's do some emails. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Nick in Cleveland. I am a diehard Indians fan. Every time Yandy Diaz got to the plate, I was excited about the potentially – the potential to hit 315 with a good OBP, good runs and RBIs. Now that Yandy Diaz is in Tampa, does he have any appeal as a breakout in any format with possible consistent plate appearances? Finally. That's the key is the consistent plate appearances. The Rays have way too many guys. Um, I think that in theory, this is a better place for him to find playing time because there's no Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. But the Indians actually have Jason Kipnis at second base, and that might have been something that was easier. So I do think he has potential as a source of batting average in Roto or maybe even as just a good option in points, and he could be eligible at a lot of different positions, but I don't feel really confident in his consistent playing time. There is a latent power, I think, in the profile that hasn't played up in games yet, but a lot of the batted ball data uh, suggests that he should hit the ball Better than he has certainly in his major league career. And, you know, the Rays are a team that, that I would bet on getting the most out of a player like Diaz. There's a reason they, they went out and got him. Uh, he's a very Tampa Bay Rays player. So, and they um, gave up a starter to get him. They, they did up, give up a starter. They gave up Jake Bowers. Star. <laughs> well, you can't spell starter without star, Chris. Uh, did Yanni Diaz not go in our AL only draft? That can't be. I just don't wow, think he he's expected go. to play every day. 
I think he should go though. I think he should be taking it in AO. This was probably a that, twenty. That's an oversight. Twenty-one, twenty-three round, twenty-two round. No, twenty-three, twenty-three uh, round AL only draft. Yeah, he should have gone. He's okay if you're drafting on CBS. Yandy Diaz. He might just be sort of low in the rankings. You might you might have to search for him. Not search for him, but keep him in the back of your mind. But you don't want to draft him in a mixed league, uh, right? AL only league or like you're a fifteen super teamer. Deep. I think you could as a, in a reserve round. All right, Andrew in Cincinnati. I play in a five-by-five league that replaces wins with quality starts. I could probably find the answer by Googling it, but I want to hear your guys' take on how openers could affect the quality start category. If Charlie Morton enters the game in the second inning up one nothing, pitches six full innings, and the game ends and the Rays win one nothing, does he get a win? Does he get a quality start? Uh, does the opener get the win? Uh, you Basically, it's Morton a good question. Morton would get the win. But not the quality starts. But the thing to remember is the kind of pitcher who is going to get an opener is typically going to be the kind of pitcher who's not going to throw a lot of quality starts. Like Ryan Yarbrough last year is a good example of a pitcher who was pretty good but just didn't didn't get the fantasy points that you would have expected because of this. But Morton's not going to have an opener. Glasnow's not going to have an opener. Neither Snell. They're going to figure out the rest. You know, Yanni Chirinos could figure into the rotation. He could have an opener. The the A's are another team that have talked about an opener. The Yankees are another team that have talked about an opener. But, again, the type of guys who are going to have an opener, maybe with the Yankees we might want to see uh, Jonathan Loizaga or Domingo Herman uh, get a chance. But in all likelihood, they're not going to be super fantasy relevant. And that's true of everyone in the athletics rotation besides Jesus Lazardo. So it, I don't think it's a big concern. Right. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if you said this. I think you said it without saying it, but the guys who are going to have openers most likely are not going to be fantasy relevant in general, right? I mean, well, they're going to be direct quote as from what I said. You said a, that you as, said uh, they're not going to arps. Can I call them arps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reparps. Okay, I'm Rep- sorry I wasn't listening he, uh, Chris because I was trying to cue something up because our next email is from Corey and this email is about Oh, damn it. I didn't cue it up right. It's about you say Kikuchi. Kukichi. Is it Kukichi? What the hell is his last name? Kikuchi. You say Kikuchi. You say Kukichi. Yeah, you say Kikuchi. I say Kikuchi. I only hear what I want to, and I read Kikuchi, but it's Kikuchi. K-I-K-U. You don't listen hard. It's true. Don't pay right. attention. What can we expect from you say Kikuchi? That is the question from Corey. Uh, in a best case scenario, a low threes ERA, a decent strikeout rate, and about 150 to 160 innings. That's probably the ceiling. Um, which is fine. That's the ceiling for a lot of pitchers these days. Um, it's not that different from Kenta Maeda's ceiling. It's probably a little higher. I think the thing that we don't know yet is how transparent the Mariners are going to be. Because what they've said is once every five or six starts, he's going to throw one, one inning, basically be an opener, and then he'll be on a normal workload the rest of the time. As long as they are transparent with when those times are going to be, and I, I would expect they are, but it needs to be more than one or two days in advance, then I think he's still going to be very valuable where he's being drafted. As long as you know the four or five weeks this year that you can't start him, I think it'll be fine. That's you say Kikuchi. Next email is also from Corey. He wants to know more about Eduardo Rodriguez. And could Eduardo Rodriguez be a breakout this year? Yes. He has a lot of helium. 
Uh, he hasn't really moved up in drafts, though, has he? I think just in industry drafts. He is very popular in the industry. He's about 150th overall in ADP. Which is pretty, that's a lot higher than I have him. Yeah, but uh, it's lower than Nick Pavetta, and he was better than Pavetta last year, and the peripherals weren't that different. Um, he's a good strikeout pitcher. He's shown inc- improved control. Um, the fly balls and the home runs are always going to be an issue for him, but if he does develop that slider the way that, you know, We've seen some reports out of spring, at least. I, th- I think there's a chance that he takes a leap. And the, again, he's another guy who the injuries have just always held him back. I don't know that he's ever reached 150 innings in a season. Yeah, that was a knee last year, I think. 137 and a third is the career high for Eduardo Rodriguez. And it's not just injuries, it's inefficiency. He made 23 starts last year and had a good year. 382 ERA and 10, like 10 strikeouts per nine, uh, 10.1. And he made Seven quality starts out of 23. He just throws so many pitches. So that's the first thing that needs to improve for him. He has to go deeper into games. Because if you play in a quality starts league, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez could be so much worse than what you would expect from a pitcher with his talent. But, yeah, there's potential there. He's getting better, you know. I would just be afraid with all the fly balls that he gives up. If he gets in the strike zone more and more efficient in that, with that home park, he may give up a lot more runs. Yeah, it, it's it's a question of balancing. You know, can he start inducing weak contact? And I think that's what the development of, I think it's been called a cutter, it's been called a slider. But if that pitch can become something that he can rely on, he can start working in the zone a little more, especially to right-handed hitters. Um, you know, busting them inside. I think there's a chance that, you know, he can solve that issue. Let's rank three pitchers. Kikuchi, Hamels, Eduardo Rodriguez. Kikuchi, Rodriguez, Hamels. I think I still have Hamels ahead of Rodriguez, but I should probably change that. See, I'm helping you with your rankings. All right, here's an email from Ben. Who are some RPs that would have an SP designation and give good ratios? Man. We get this question a lot. It's really tough. And and you'd think we'd have an answer by now. Yeah, you should. Look. Okay. I mean, does Josh Hader have SP? Does no? Why would he? No, he did not start. That was uh, terrible. It was terrible. terrible. Uh, Sergio Romo, <laughs> if he has as good of a season as he did last year, he could be. Seth Lugo. Um, I like Fernando Romero in the Twins bullpen. I think he could be. Um, I think he could be a pretty good pitcher out of the bullpen. Alex Reyes? Alex Reyes, sure. Um, Maybe Ross Stripling? It definitely sounds like Alex Reyes is going to be in the uh, in the bullpen to start the season, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's there the entire year. Ready for the bustometer? We've yes. Got, we got about three bustometer. F- there you go. we got about three or four minutes here. So what do you think that these guys could be just total busts? Ronald Acuna. Four. Five if he's taken in the first four picks of the draft. Two. Paul Goldschmidt. Two. Two. He's got a little bit of uh, Encarnacion. Like, the so strikeout so- rate went up last year, and that could be a sign of a declining skill set, having right. to cheat a little more to catch up. But Doesn't run now. Didn't run last year. He was awesome. He's in a great lineup. Um like, basically, it was, what, a bad month and a half, and then he was Paul Goldschmidt again, yeah. maybe not as many steals, but right. you know, he might still steal eight bases. He's not going to be nothing there, I think. Javier Baez. 
Nine. Seven point five. When would you be comfortable taking Javier Baez? Late third, early fourth. Yeah, like fortieth in roto and later in points. Okay, how about Tommy Pham? Three. He's going early enough that it could hurt you, but late enough that the risk is minimized at least a little bit. I have no idea what Tommy Pham's ADP is. I think it's like in the 50-60 range. I think 69. It's, uh, I was going to say nice. 70. Um, I, I'll say four. Four, okay. Jonathan VR, who's a top 100 player right now in, in ADP. I mean... Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I'll put it at a five. He has been a bust once in the last two seasons and has been a value once in the last two seasons. So just split the difference. Yeah, his ADP is 79 over the last month. That's... <laughs> you want to make it wow. a six? <laughs> Uh, that's VR. Yeah. How about Craig Kimbrell? Still not One. in camp. That's, He's not going to sign easy. to be a setup man. He's going to be a closer. Well, somewhere. yeah, but does um, does missing the entire off season basically sure. add risk? It could. He, and he was terrible. Throwing. He was terrible in the playoffs last year, and doesn't have, you know? I don't know. Are there signs that he's slowing down? Yeah. Yeah, his his skill set has declined. You got to up it for sure. It cannot be a one, Chris. You got to up it. I, this is the the best closer since Mariano Rivera. Like it's got to be at I least a one really, and a half. And like the decline skill set has still left him as like a t- consensus top three or five closer every year. His ADP is not so high. I, I think I, I'm good with one. You're not going to bully me, Adam. Uh, I had the courage of my convictions. I tried. I tried. I'm bigger. Me. I'm bigger than you. Two. Two. <laughs> That's it. Okay. I'll throw one more out there. How about? How about um, <laughs> Kyle Hendricks? Here we go. Kyle Hendricks. Does he have uh, yeah, one? 130th. I, I, nobody's overall. excited about Kyle Hendricks anymore. I think we've all just kind of accepted that he is what he is. And what he is is pretty good. It's not a bad pitcher to have around. He's a 10. His strikeout Two. rate has declined like every year. He, he doesn't really need strikeouts. Like he still strikes out more guys than Miles Michaelis, right? Yes, but it keeps going down from 8.4 to 8.1 to 7.9 to 7.3. Oh, Michaelis. Michaelis is a 15 on the busto meter. He's a zero. Okay, fine. He's awesome. All right. (laughs) Then we'll end on that. He's better than James Paxton this year. Bet Wager made. We will start tomorrow's show with that wager. Paxton versus Michaelis. A shaved head wager? Yes. No. We are out of here, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for listening to our Bus Podcast. Tomorrow we'll talk about the player that we love in 2019. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you on Thursday on Fantasy Baseball Today.